Welcome to Discovering the Jewish Jesus with Rabbi Schneider. I'm your host, Dustin Roberts, and for the next half hour, we'll be diving into the book of Isaiah to discover its messianic prophecies. God became a man, and he knows our struggles and our heartaches. He can empathize with us because he knows what physical pain and loss feel like. He knows what rejection feels like, and he knows what it feels like to carry the sorrows of the world on his shoulders. And today, Rabbi Schneider is going to help us understand the prophecy and reason that Jesus became the man of sorrow for us. So let's get started with our message titled, Our Sorrows He Carried. Here is Rabbi Schneider. The servant songs are large portions of scripture in the second part of Isaiah's book that reveal to us the nature of Messiah. We are presently in the last of the servant songs. It begins in the last several verses of Isaiah 52, and then it continues on through all of Isaiah 53. This portion of scripture is the most profound messianic prophecy about the coming and work of Messiah in the entire Old Testament. We're in the second verse of the 53rd chapter. Hear the word of God. For he grew up before him, the he is the Messiah, right? Just like the scripture says in the book of Genesis, the Lord said, let us make man in our image. Who's the us? It's the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. So we see now the Godhead speaking of each other. Here we go. For he grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of parched ground. He has no stately former majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. This is very similar to the first verse that we read in Isaiah 53, that he was disregarded by people, that no one esteemed him. And Isaiah actually revealed to us what John told us happened in his gospel. In other words, Isaiah told us that people wouldn't believe Messiah when he came. So what happens is when we get to the gospel of John, John says, though he had done so many things, so many miracles in John chapter 12, verse 37 and 38, the people didn't believe in him. And then John says, this was to fulfill the word of the prophet Isaiah. And then John quotes Isaiah chapter 53, verse one. Now in Isaiah 53, 2, we're kind of continuing along this same theme. Listen again to the word of God. Here we go. For he, speaking of Jesus, grew up before him, the father, like a tender shoot, like a root out of parched ground. So he grew up very tenderly. Jesus has a very sensitive and tender nature. He's powerful. He's a lion, but he's also very sensitive and tender at the same time. We continue, it says, he grew up like a root out of parched ground. In other words, he came to the earth. The earth was devoid in many ways, at many levels of the glory of God, of the full manifestation of the presence of God. So Jesus grew up on a planet which was largely devoid of God's fullness. It continues on. Isaiah says this, he has no stately form. I want you to get this now. Isaiah is prophesying of what Messiah would look like when he came. Remember, he came as a very sensitive human being. He's the God man, very sensitive in his nature because God is the most sensitive being 
in the universe. And then Isaiah says, and he grew up in a wilderness. This earth is a wilderness without God. And now listen to the next thing he says. Once again, he has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. In other words, when Jesus came to earth, he looked like a normal human being. There was nothing special about him. He wasn't like this huge, glorious, hero-looking type of person. It was similar to David. Remember when the prophet was commanded to go to Jesse, David's father, because one of Jesse's sons was going to be the king. So what happens? The prophet goes to Jesse. He tells Jesse, one of your sons is going to be king. So Jesse calls the sons. He lines them up from the oldest and the tallest to the youngest and the smallest. And each time the prophet goes to lay his hand on one of Jesse's sons, he doesn't have a witness. This is the one. Where does the prophet start out? He starts out with the oldest, the tallest, the most handsome. And yet when the prophet anointed him, there was nothing there. Finally, the prophet gets to the end of Jesse's sons that Jesse had lined up. He's confused. He knows that God had commanded him that one of Jesse's sons was going to be king and he was called to anoint him. But yet he went down the line of his sons and he didn't have a witness from the spirit that it was the one. So he's kind of confused. He says to Jesse, is there anybody else? And what does Jesse say? Oh, just the little shepherd boy, you know, down in the field over there tending the sheep. They run and fetch little David. David's the littlest one. He didn't look like he, he was anything. He was the least likely one, according to the natural eye, that looked like he'd be the next king. But when the prophet came and laid his hands on David, the spirit of the Lord bore witness and saying, he's the one. The point being is that Jesus is a type of David. That's why in the book of Revelation, Jesus said this. He said, listen, I'm the offspring of David. So even when David was anointed by the prophet, he had no stately former majesty. He was the youngest and the smallest, the unlikely candidate. So when Jesus came, beloved one, he had no stately form, Isaiah says, or majesty that we should look upon him or be attracted to him. That's why so many people missed him. He was the carpenter's son. Listen to the word of God here in connection with this verse. Matthew chapter 13, verse 55. Now here we go, it says, not this, isn't this, they said, the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers, James, Joseph, Simeon, and Judas? In other words, they looked at Jesus that claimed to be the bread of life that came down out of heaven. They claimed to be the way, the truth, and the life. And they said, this is the carpenter's son. Who is this guy think he is? We know his mom and dad. He had no stately form or majesty. The people were drew to him that they wanted to follow him in the natural. Let's continue on now with Isaiah's prophecy as he continues to reveal to us the coming of the Messiah. Verse number three, he was despised. He's speaking of the Messiah once again. He was despised and forsaken of men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised and we did not esteem him. I wanna just focus on a few specific concepts here before we look into the New Testament fulfillment. But let's look once again, Isaiah 53, three. He was despised, forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and like one from whom men hide their face. So let's look at a couple New Testament fulfillments of this. I'm reading, first of all, 
From the book of Luke, chapter 4, verse 28 and 29. Hear the word of God. And all the people in the synagogue, listen now, were filled with rage at him. So what's the first thing Isaiah says? He was despised. Jesus went into the synagogue, and what was many people's reaction to him? Listen, they despised him. They were filled with rage. Isaiah also said he would be like one that men hide their face from. What does that phrase mean? He'd be like one whom men hide their face from. It's kind of like we hear stories oftentimes in Hollywood that someone in Hollywood has all these friends. They have all these parties. And then all of a sudden something happens to them. Maybe they make a movie that flops. And all of a sudden, all their friends that used to come to their party when they were very successful, now the phone stops ringing. And when that person reaches out to those people that supposedly were their friends, don't even answer their phones anymore. That one that has fallen, that fallen star becomes like one from whom men hide their face from. How was that fulfilled with Jesus? What happened when Jesus was arrested? All the disciples fled. And then when they took Jesus away, remember, Peter looked on from the distance. And someone saw him looking on from the distance. And they said to Peter, they said, you were with him. You were one of them. And Peter cursed, the scripture says, and said, I don't know that man. Hear the word of God. We're reading now Mark chapter 14, verse number 71. But he began to curse and swear. I did not know this man you are talking about. And so we see that this prophecy that he becomes like one from whom men hide their face from is being fulfilled here. You're listening to Discovering the Jewish Jesus. And Rabbi will be right back. So please keep listening. Did you know that you can connect with Rabbi right on your phone? The Rabbi Schneider app is packed with resources, videos, and a daily devotional that are designed to help jumpstart your day. The Rabbi Schneider app is free, bringing you inspiration and encouragement 24 hours a day and seven days a week. Simply search for Rabbi Schneider in your phone's app store and download the app today. We are so thankful for everyone who gives a financial gift of support to this ministry. And perhaps today is the day that you decide that you would like to deepen your commitment to discovering the Jewish Jesus. The best way to do that is to sign up to become a monthly partner at discoveringthejewishjesus.com. Or you can call us at 800-777-7835. Together, we can help others prepare for Jesus' return. And now, let's get back into the second half of today's message. One other scripture that really speaks of this whole thing in the Gospels, in Mark chapter 14, verse 48 through 50, we read this account. And Jesus said to them, Have you come out with swords and clubs to arrest me as you would against a robber? Every day I was with you in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me, but this has taken place, that the scriptures would be fulfilled, and they all left him and fled. So Jesus said that when they all fled away from him and forsook him and acted like they didn't know him, Jesus once again said it was so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. And what scripture was he talking about? He was talking, beloved one, about the scripture that you and I are looking at right now, Isaiah chapter 53, verse number three. Let's continue on as we read the fourth, fifth, and sixth verse. Hear the word of God. Isaiah says this, Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried, yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, 
smitten of God and afflicted, but he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening of our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray, and each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has laid the iniquity of us all upon him. Beloved ones, what an incredible picture of the substitutionary sacrificial death of King Jesus the Messiah, by whose stripes we have now been healed, Isaiah concludes there. Let's look at some New Testament prophetic fulfillments of this section of Scripture. First of all, I want to point out to you a very important portion of the Word of God that's found in the eighth chapter in the book of Matthew. Surely our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried. He took our sickness. The Hebrew word there is actually chole, and it literally means sickness. That's why when Matthew quotes this section of Scripture in Matthew chapter 8, he actually translates the word here as sickness. Hear the word of God. Jesus had come down off the mountain where he had just got done preaching the longest sermon recorded in the New Testament. It's oftentimes referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. And as soon as he comes down from the mountain, there's all these healings that take place. He heals a person that was mute. He heals people that were blind. All these healings, all these deliverances are taking place. And then this healing ministry of Jesus climaxes in the 16th and 17th verse of Matthew 8. Hear the word of God. When evening came, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with the word and healed all who were ill. This was to fulfill what Isaiah, the prophet, wrote. And then Matthew quotes Isaiah, the portion of scripture that we're reading right now. He himself took our infirmities and carried away our diseases. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4. Surely our griefs, Hebrew word there is kolei, it means sickness, he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Now, one of the things that I want to impress upon us concerning this is that what Matthew is teaching here is that when Jesus healed all these people, remember, because the thing that just had happened was he cast out all the spirits with the word and healed all who were ill. And then Matthew says the reason that he did this was to fulfill the prophet Isaiah's words. And then he quotes Isaiah 53, 4. And Isaiah chapter 53, beloved one, listen now, is about the atonement. It's all about how Jesus was pierced through for our transgressions, that he took our sin in his own body on the tree. The point is that when Yeshua was crucified on the cross, he not only took your sin away, beloved one, he also took your sickness away. That's why Isaiah concludes here, by his stripes, we are healed, which is the same thing that Peter says, and it's the reason Jesus gives for healing those that were physically sick. I want to encourage you and I, let's believe in Jesus, not only for the forgiveness of our sin, but let's look to him to be the life and the healing, amen, of our bodies. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, He made him who knew no sin, speaking of Jesus, to be sin on our behalf that we should become the righteousness of God. 
in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that you might die to sin and live a life of righteousness. By his wounds, you were healed. This is solid doctrine, beloved one. Jesus Christ was crucified for our sin and he took in his own body on the tree both our sin, he paid the penalty for our sin, and he took our sickness that we could be well. Jesus said, I've come to give life and to give it more abundantly. This is spiritual life, soul, mind, and body. This is why the apostle John prayed in his letter. He said, I pray that you would prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. So let me read that section of scripture one more time because this is so foundational. Isaiah here is prophesying about the crucifixion of Jesus. Surely our griefs or our sickness from the Hebrew word kolei, he himself bore and our sorrows he carried. This includes beloved, both our sin and it includes the healing of our minds and our psyches. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken. In other words, the people that saw him being crucified, they thought he was being crucified because he was the one that was a sinner. They rejected him. They called him a blasphemer. It says, yet we ourselves, Isaiah speaking here to the Jewish nation, we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. In other words, they thought Jesus was being crucified because of his own problems. Isaiah continues, but he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening of our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. And by his scourging, you beloved one, have been healed. Hail King Jesus. I hope you're seeing how richly Isaiah spoke about the Messiah. You see, when you understand how the New Testament is rooted in the Hebrew Bible, when you understand the Jewish roots of your Christian faith, your faith will become unshakable. You see, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God abides forever. Faith comes by hearing and hearing, my friend, the word of God. We need to return to the ancient way. We need to return to the good path, as the prophet of old said. The ancient way, beloved, is the scripture. We're not just looking to God for what he can do for us. We're looking to God to be who he said he is. He gave us his all and he's demanding our all. He's looking for you and I, beloved one, to love him even as he loved us. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And now, beloved, that you've received Jesus, God wants you to give him your best, spirit, soul, mind, and body, time, talent, and treasure. You're listening to Discovering the Jewish Jesus. And to learn more about this program or about our Bible teacher, Rabbi Schneider, let me invite you to go to our website and explore. You'll find us online at discoveringthejewishjesus.com. 
And while you're there, make sure to take a moment and explore our treasury of messianic content. There's so much to discover about Jesus and the Jewish roots of our Christian faith. And you can even partner with us to be a blessing to the Jewish people. To tell us a little bit more about that partnership, here's Rabbi once more. Isn't it true about all of us? We love to hear about what we like. In other words, we love hearing about the things that we already like, but the things that we don't like, we don't want to hear about it. Well, the reason I'm bringing that up is that sometimes God's people don't like hearing about finances because they don't want to surrender their finances to the Lord. But beloved ones, it's really important because when we surrender our finances, what we're really doing is surrendering our heart and affections. That's why Jesus said, man can't love both God and money. We've got to put him first. Some people say that giving financially, tithing, was just something that was in the Old Testament. But in the seventh chapter of the book of Hebrews, we see Abraham come to Melchizedek, the high priest, who is a type of Christ. And when Abraham met Melchizedek, what did Abraham do? He offered up to God through Melchizedek a tenth of all he had. I just want to encourage you today. Let's surrender our whole lives to the Lord, which involves every area, even our finances. Beloved ones, if you're not tithing somewhere, would you tie to the Lord through discovering the Jewish Jesus? I want to tell you, you'll be blessed and many souls will be saved. To support this ministry with a gift of any amount, visit us online at discoveringthejewishjesus.com or give us a call. One of our team members will be happy to talk to you when you dial 800-777-7835. You can also partner with us via text when you type the keyword rabbi to the number 45777. And you know, there are so many people out there who need to understand who Jesus is and the reason for the sorrows he carried. And so we'll say thank you for partnering with us by sending you a free audio download that's designed to speak truth, faith, and revelation into your life. These messages are not broadcast messages, but ones that Rabbi has preached at his home church at the Lion of Judah in Toledo, Ohio. And for those of you who are new monthly partners, we'll also send you an authentic shofar that's been handcrafted in Israel. It's a gorgeous instrument and a great conversation starter. So sign up today and we'll send you one in the mail when you become a new monthly partner. Just go to Discovering thejewishjesus.com to learn more. Then before I close today, let me say thank you to our listening family. We appreciate each and every one of you and we give thanks to God that you value Rabbi's teaching and want to see this ministry thrive. Now let's close out today's program from our study on Isaiah and Messianic prophecy with a special blessing from Rabbi. What I love about the ironic blessing is that it did not originate with man. The words actually proceeded from the very essence of God himself. The blessing comes from the book of Numbers, chapter six. So listen to these words and receive the blessing of the Lord into your life today. Yahweh, 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 
The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift you up with his countenance and the Lord give you, beloved one, his peace. God bless you and shalom. Let our prayer team pray for you. Submit your prayer request or testimony at discoveringthejewishjesus.com. You can also connect with us on your social media outlets to stay up to date on the content you love. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and subscribe on YouTube. I'm your host, Dustin Roberts, and Discovering the Jewish Jesus is a production of Shalom Ministries. Be sure to join us next time when Rabbi Schneider gives us all the details regarding Messiah's exaltation. That's Tuesday on Discovering the Jewish Jesus.